0: welcome to drunk af the podcast exploring a world of awesome interesting cool successful people who are using a different relationship with alcohol to make themselves even more awesome and successful af stands for alcohol free it also stands for as fuck and it's your call on whatever you want it to mean i'm your host james herman and today i'm joined by someone who is cross-cultural af Tyler Rash is a TV personality, environmentalist and author living in South Korea. Originally from the United States, Tyler wrote his university thesis on North Korean law, then worked for the U.S. Asia Institute and the Korean Embassy in Washington, D.C., before moving himself to Seoul and becoming an unlikely-sounding celebrity. He's been a cast member of several award-winning and intriguingly named TV shows, Non Summit, Where Is My Friend's Home and Problematic Men. The latter has been described as a talk show with a cast that have been labeled as men with hot brains. Tyler drinks a lot less than he used to while living in a place that's been described as the country with the world's worst drink problem. We'll come back to that in a moment, but for now, Tyler, welcome.
1: Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Great to talk to you across the uh, across the mighty Pacific Ocean. So. Tell me about like what does an ordinary week look like to you? Like how do you spend your how do you spend your days in a professional
1: sense? Right. Well, so like you mentioned, I do some TV shows, I do some radio. Uh, on occasion there will be an advertisement. I'm also working with an educational company to do you know online English teaching and things like that. So usually the way the week goes is I have my standard recordings, like every Tuesday. Where I'll record a bunch of uh, radio programs that they'll use later I go to I go on set every Thursday uh, and then every other week you know I do this other program on set so it it's on and off right it's not um, these full packed nine to or nine to five kind of uh, scenario right mm-hmm. sometimes you'll have nothing to do for three days and then all of a sudden the next day you'll be out of the house at seven and you'll come back at 10 because mm-hmm. you had you know, you had a lecture, you had a recording, you had a shoot, you mm-hmm. know, you then you had a meeting, this, that and the other. So uh, yeah. it's quite random, actually. Difficult yeah. to maintain a, a steady schedule.
0: Yeah, right. I bet it is. And presumably you're, um, I mean, you're interesting to Koreans because you're an American person who speaks the language fluently and and really digs the culture and Mm -hmm. and the history and presumably the politics and kind of everything about korea and that sort of i guess reads as you know a compliment to them and also um really respectful of them Mm -hmm. at the same time um is that sort of the the secret of your success in korea
1: i believe so that sounds pretty accurate i first started doing tv in 2014 and then back then even in my university people were like oh non-koreans can't write a piece of text in Korean once a week. Like that's not possible. Like Mm -hmm. the the way that people viewed non-Koreans or foreigners was like you just you're not you're never gonna be able to have like a debate. And then on TV we're debating in Korean and it was like shock factor, right? Mm -hmm. So Oh wow, you really like Korea, we like that you like Korea. And that's how it Mm -hmm. starts. But for me I'm kind of a really critical person about certain things and I'm I really like to know where things come from or why things work the way they do. And so I, I like history, I like politics. And then if I don't agree with something, I'm very likely to to find a polite way of saying, you know, I, I don't think, I understand why it works this way, but I don't really agree with it. And I think that maybe it has this issue, you know, and I'll, I'll bring those things up. Yeah. And what happens is uh, that for a lot of Koreans, they connect to that and they, they're appreciative of that respectful, constructive criticism because it's something mm. that they also wanted to talk about. So in a way, my role in, in the media sphere here um, is to maintain this kind of like intellectual image, but at the same time, use it mm. to bring up important topics that people want to discuss. So I'm kind of like the excuse for bringing up the conversation at the table, so to speak. Yeah.
0: So you studied international relations and became an assistant to the U S Senate committee on the judiciary in Washington DC and had designs on becoming a diplomat and ended up being a TV celebrity in Korea and starring in ads for subway. (laughs) And it feels like there's quite a lot to unpack there. How did you kind of end up where you are from that very different place you started?
1: Yeah. um, Wow. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack right there. So I guess it, forgive me if this is a bit long-winded, but so I, when I finished college, I, uh, I graduated right around when the financial crisis of 2008 was really taking hold, um, of the labor market in the U S in 2009, there were no jobs anywhere. Everybody was having a really hard time. My parents were like, we can't afford to pay the last semester of your tuition. Like Go take care of yourself. So I had to venture out into the world, figure out the stuff that I had to do. So I went to D.C. because I was really interested in international relations, and I figured anything related to Korea would have to be there in Washington, D.C. But the, the quickest way to get a job in the U.S. is to work for Congress. I don't know if other people around the world talk about their governments that way, but... Wow. <laughs> in the U.S. It's Why like, is that? Well, there's a there's a strategy, actually, to it. So if you were to... Um, contact your representative in Congress, whether it's in the House or the Senate, and you say, I'm from your state, I'm from your district, right? I'm really interested in working for you. Then your your resume goes to the top of the pile because you are somehow connected to voters, right? right? So there's sort of a, a higher chance that you'll land a job with someone from your own district than somewhere in any other organization, uh, in Congress. So it's an easy way to get your leg up and get yourself into an influential organization that has name value and then step on to the next thing. So that was sort of my, my strategy at the time. It's like, I need a label so that I can move forward. So I started working in Congress and wanted to become a diplomat. So I was preparing the Foreign Service Officer Test, which in the United States is a super duper intense, uh, long process of trying to become a diplomat. Uh, long story short is I, I failed that uh, process, but wanted to be involved in something related to Korea because I had thought that being a diplomat with learning Korean language, I would eventually be uh, prioritized in getting uh, sent to Korea, but that was not an option. So <clears throat> I was looking in some very alternative spaces. So I guess what happened to me was I was going for the, the standard competitive track, right? all these like government scholarship programs, you know, the the most competitive track in the foreign service officer test and placement system. And I just couldn't keep up with the competition. So I was forced to look into these less traditional approaches uh, and found basically a job working for the Korean embassy in Washington, D.C. Mm. So that's how I got Sort of on the beginning of my track towards coming to Korea.
0: And what led you there? Like, what interested you about Korea at the first place? Because you had learned the language prior to that, is that right?
1: Correct. Yeah. So I'm a huge linguophile. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who they they don't like mixing Latin-based roots with Greek-based roots, but frankly, I don't. I don't care. I'm sort of more on the progressive side of language, so I'm a linguophile. But yeah, I love language. And for native English speakers, there is actually. according to research done by the Department of Defense and the US government, there's a list of basically levels of difficulty for native English speakers when it comes to learning foreign languages. So I wanted to learn something really difficult, something that was outside of my cognitive comfort zone. And so I chose Korean and got really interested in the language itself as I mean, the language itself, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing. It's like you, you don't say things in any way, shape, or form similar to what you would Im- imagine a sentence would look like, right. right? So it's like, I hungry am Apple buy to store to go.
0: Okay. I'm hungry for for an apple and I'm going to go to the store to buy one. Is that what that means?
1: Yeah, 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 right. So that's like the, the structure of the sentence grammatically. And, you know, there's a very basic sentence, right? So when it becomes a, a conversation about, you know, politics or history or perspectives on on the world, then it's like it's a totally different game, right? And it forces your brain to open itself up to other ways of thinking. So that's why I got really into Korean And in the process, you know, learning about, like, North Korean uh, legal codes or the way that the law is perceived or used in uh, the DPRK, uh, that was just, like, a a completely different interpretation. It comes from a a very different, you know, Stalinist Soviet tradition, right? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it was just opened up my brain to all these crazy things. In it. <laughs> so that's why yeah. I got really into it, I guess.
0: It's so stimulating, isn't it? Being in such a kind of like completely opposite culture. I lived in China for a little while. And so, you know, China is the exact opposite of New mm-hmm. Zealand in every single possible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is kind of, it is awesomely kind of stimulating being in those environments. It is. What, what's kept you interested and kept you, Jeb? What do you love about Korea now?
1: Um, I think for me, Korea, it's really... I mean, the, lo- the more you spend here and the more you figure out how things work, because it's, it's so some of, similar to that sentence, right? So much of how society is structured, how business is done, how uh, opinions are, are, are made and other people are convinced, the processes and the context behind all of these things are so fundamentally different that the more time you spend here, and as those become more comfortable to you, there's like this weird gravity that pulls you in. I don't know how to describe it. It's like mm. you gain this access to this second world and it becomes in a way something very familiar to yourself. So you want to stay with it, mm. uh, you know, it, it becomes part of you in a way. Yeah. So that's why I wound up staying here so long. I didn't plan on it. I was supposed to be here for like, you know, maybe three or four years and then leave and now it's been i'm on my 11th year now so
0: <laughs> yeah wow that's a long time and and in that time right Korea's become a kind of mm-hmm. real pop culture leader in music and fashion and film and tv and yes and like it just seems to that, that Korea's kind of exploding with creativity and exporting that to the world and people are loving it um what do you think is driven that why has there been such an ascendancy of korean creativity do you think
1: I mean, I think that there, personally, I think people should really start doing research on this. You know, there are multiple PhDs that can come out of uh, studying this right now. There's a bunch of different factors, right? I think um, one factor is that Korean society is insanely competitive right. and just just insanely competitive. Even the most basic things are, are, are like your chance of, of landing a job are just like, close to nothing, right? It's just the level of intensity and competitiveness here is out of this world. And, and I think that that brings people in a way that can be very bad, right? It can be bad for the economy in certain ways. It can be bad for people's uh, state of, you know, uh, mental health, right? That's why those things are, you know, drinking is a problem here. Suicide is a problem here. Those things have. Are correlated to that level of societal pressure, but there are other things that that are positive when it when it comes to having high level of competition. It's like people accept competitiveness and drive and and really like discipline as as good uh, as being really good values that everybody should apply to everything that they do. Mm-hmm. Right, so. This is very much a simplification, but if you were to, there's this park that goes along the central river throughout the city of Seoul. It's called the Hangang River Park, right? Or the Hangang Park. And it has bike paths on either side, right? And if you were to go there and see people biking, there are, you know, the people who went out for a picnic and they rented a bike for the day and they don't know what they're doing and they're like, lolly 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 la. But the people who actually have a bike, like they own their own bike. They own all the bike gear. They're part of, like, a bike group. They go out there and they're, like, you know, they're taking record of how fast they're going and they're aware of wind, wind resistance. And these are, like, amateurs, right? These are people who, are like, just started. But when Koreans choose, this is something I want to get into, it really they go all in. There's no such thing as, is, you know, just trying. Right. Right. So that is part of the cultural approach here. And I think that when it comes to, you know, Oh, you've decided you're going to be a musician. You've made that decision. You've decided you're going to be an actor. You've made that decision. You have decided you're going to do something. Then people, they're not wishy-washy about it at all. So I think that's a large factor.
0: Mm, Amazing. They just kind of go all in and triple down and just really commit. Right. Uh, At the deepest level.
1: Right. And I think on top of that, you know, there's a few other factors that are really pushing this um, Korean cultural boom to go global. Um, One of those is, you know, Korea, South Korea, South Koreans didn't start traveling freely around the world until 1989. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then in the 90s, there was this major. Uh, economic crash so then in the beginning of the 2000s it was like rebuilding korea right but in the content context of the global economy right because that was after the world trade organization was brought on and everything so korea has been looking at the world economy as i think it needs to grow into right there's been structural incentives for that and at the same time you've had a lot of uh overseas koreans who have been working in la they've been working in new york they music producers, right? Mm. Korean media companies have hired these people. They've come back here, right? So there is a strong connection between the South Korean media industry and what people would so-called uh, refer to as Hollywood, right? So there, there's a lot of factors that are influencing this boom. And yes, talent. Yes, drive but also, you know, sort of access to really important resources. That's what's going on right yeah. now.
0: And I, I remember um, someone described uh, Korea to me as being like the Italy of Asia, like, and they, what they meant by that is like Italians are kind of, you know, emotional and flamboyant and, um, and that Koreans compared to other Asian cultures are the sort of emotional flamboyant ones. Is, is, that, is that true to your experience?
1: I, I have also uh, heard that comparison be made quite often, especially from some Italian friends of mine. <laughs> um, but I do have to say, as an American, and, you know, Americans can be quite out there, you know, and very expressive <laughs> about a lot of things, is that um, Koreans definitely, they're very, uh, they can be emotional and flamboyant, but they also are very much, like I said, very highly disciplined. <laughs> so it comes across in a different tone. Yeah.
0: And the this, this sort of the spirit of, of competitiveness. I mean, you know that crazy game that you have to play to get a job. I think is called Squid Game. That I mean, that sounds like pretty intense. Oh that. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, That was an amazing documentary.
1: Right. I mean, right. So, so South Korea has produced a lot of fascinating, um, you know, TV shows and and movies that have really taken hold globally over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think for the West, for Western uh, affiliated countries, culturally speaking, uh, that has really taken on in the last two or three years, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, in Asia, this has been popping on as, as a big trend for much longer than that. Right. But the but the the movies and the, and the TV shows that people are really connecting into do have a common denominator. And those are, like you said, competition. It's, co- it's the competition. It's the societal pressure. It's this issue of, you know, inequality. We've seen that in movies like Parasite. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that in Squid Game. It's like, and those things are, you know, topics that are being discussed globally. And the Koreans in media have found a really, uh, what's the word? In t- at times jarring but very effective way at talking about that yeah through entertainment
0: yeah i mean i think uh, i look at it and it's sort of at once kind of brutal and also somehow joyful
1: mm-hmm. um
0: and and that kind of yeah. combination is is really unusual right and really quite compelling mm-hmm. and even kind of like thinking about the korean skin skincare regime right it's intense there's so many different things and, and products and a kind yeah. of, there's there's that sort of intensity that comes with that, that sort of thing. So I, yeah, I can see the, what you were saying, you know, people going really deep on stuff and, mm. and, and it being highly competitive and that really right. comes through and, and kind of so much of, of Korean culture that's influenced the rest of the world. Mm. Um, where do you, where do you think it'll go? Like what can the world learn from Korea to become better themselves? Do you
1: think? Oh gosh, that's a, that's a difficult question. I mean, I would have to start to answer the question by saying, you know, it's not for everybody, right? You know, the Korean development model, the Korean business model, this sort of very intense approach is not going to be right for anybody. I I have a hard time finding people who come from, you know, more slow culture, like slow food, kind of those kind of culture places, sort of enjoying or appreciating the more intense hustle culture of South Korea. Um, but I think that that being said, you know, what South Korea produces, there are a lot of things that are useful to people around the world. Like you, you mentioned skincare, right? Okay. I mean, the best skincare, um, we use the word regimes, right? Or skincare regime or skincare routine would be a nicer word. Right. But, uh, the best skincare products you can find nowadays are, are in Korea and they have this whole way of going about it. Right. So, I was actually talking to someone who was recently posted here in very high position of a large Western sporting goods company. And we were talking about this phenomenon. And she said, Korea is now exporting lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's exactly what's happening is it's it's this this really intense Uh, society and culture that you have here has created all of these mechanisms, right? Coping mechanisms. How can you be more beautiful so that you can get a better job? You know, how can you be, you know, uh, talk with a a better voice so that you can be an announcer on TV, right? Like all these different things. And various products have come out of that. And now those products are starting to find their way to a market. And I think what you're going to see in the future is you're going to see more things like that. These sort of methodologies of lifestyle that are going to be coming out of Korean companies entering other markets. Mm,
0: That's really interesting. Yeah, exporting lifestyle. I like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I wonder if the, you know, the level of competitiveness and again, the intensity with which people sort of approach things has some overlap with the way that Koreans drink alcohol. So I did a little bit of research and I found this article from 2016 where Al Jazeera released a documentary and accompanying news story which they called The Country with the World's Worst Mm -hmm. Drink Problem and in it they claim that South Korea is home to more alcoholics than any other country and describes Seoul as a place where people can be staggering about precariously and veering dangerously into traffic and and the the article also references a Euromonitor study that says that South Koreans drink twice as much liquor as Russians and more than four times as much Mm. as Americans. Has that been your experience is it is it a big drinking
1: culture? I can definitely not say that that is incorrect. So <laughs> there's a lot of alcohol here, um, and how 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 would I how should I go about putting this? So I mean, alcohol has served a very important role, like almost ritualistic ceremonial role in Korean society since a very very long time ago, right? It's it's used in, uh, for example. Uh, they call it tesa which is like when when you go and it's like the death day of your of your uh, ancestors or what, and you have this table and you like put the food on the table and all this stuff. So alcohol plays a role in that. And then when you go to see your ancestral graves, you know, you give alcohol to your ancestors and there's a symbolism to the drink, right? And I'm sure most cultures have some sort of connection there. But on top of that, what happens here is that uh, it's also used to sort of how should I put this? So it, you mentioned before in our conversation that Koreans are kind of like Italians, where they're sort of like flamboyant and emotional, and they ha- they're very expressive, right? But the thing is, because there are all the culture here is also very much, um, you know, they've had a you know dictatorships here for a long time. Uh, they've been colonized by the Japanese. They have a lot of very strict social structures right so you're not going to run into people who are telling you what they think that's not normal people don't just say oh i think this i think that opinions and and whether or not people really like you those things aren't going to come up um in sort of this like free discourse kind of situation that's not how discourse works Mm -hmm. here um so so usually there has to be some sort of ritualistic way in which you you and someone else can open up to each other and and somehow uh, access those, those true thoughts and true feelings. Mm. Um, and so what happens is usually people will say in Korea that it's really hard to become friends unless you get drunk together. Mm. So drinking together is a way of being able to bring up what you really think. And that's used between, you know, in, as, a, as a way of making friends in general, that's used between you and your upperclassmen in university, that's used between uh, you and your colleagues at work, it's we, used between uh, business people as they start to you know discuss more difficult things about the upcoming merger between their companies or this, this contract deal is actually, we don't want to have to deal with this part of the contract, but we want to deal with that one. And they don't actually talk about that in the meeting necessarily. It's going to be like, let's go to dinner together, get kind of drunk, and then these kind of things mm. will – more honest things will, will come come out and go through, right? Right. So without the alcohol, it's very difficult to have a social life. Yes. Even above and beyond that, to be an effective business person, to 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 really have a meaningful connection with other people.
0: Mm. That sounds – I mean, it sounds a lot like the way that the rest of the world uses alcohol in, in a lot of respects, right? But there's that sort of slightly mm. different context where perhaps we're a little bit um, – uh, a little bit more au fait with speaking our minds without the help of um, yeah. 14 shots oh. of soju.
1: Right. And just to give some sort of like visual, because it, it it's easier if you can imagine it, right? So if you go out for drinks, you know, with anybody, I mean, in New, probably, I've never been to New Zealand, but my guess would be that it would be quite similar to other Anglophone countries, right? So if you go out with other people let's go have a drink. And this person, maybe you have an upcoming business relationship with you go to the bar. Maybe you'll buy them a drink. Maybe they'll buy you one. But when you want to drink your own drink, you just drink it. You don't have to cheers with them every time you take a sip. Right. right? Whereas here in Korea, the deal is everybody drinks the same thing. Everybody drinks the same thing and you cheers together and you have to drink together. Drinking by yourself is, like, weird. Wow. That's weird. If somebody sees you trying to take a sip by yourself, they're going to lift their glass and they're going to come and they're going to, like, cheers with you and drink with you because drinking by yourself, drinking, the whole point of drinking is to, for us to get along together and for you to do it by yourself is, like, it, it's weird. It's, it's oh, wow. like, you don't want to be friends, like, right? Yeah. And um, there's all these other things for, like, you know, pouring other people's drinks. Like, if you're and a team at a company and and your your superior in the company your team leader right their their drink is empty and it's just sitting there empty and you're sitting next to them and you're on the t- you better fill that drink and you better have noticed that it's empty mm-hmm. right so making sure glasses are full everybody's cheering people are drinking together that's those things are extremely important here as well and so the ritualistic sort of more um, psychological, social bond factors of the actual act of imbibing the alcohol are significant, more significant here than they are anywhere else in the world I have ever been.
0: Wow. And so within that, can you go to a bar and just buy a beer and just have a beer? I mean, or is it just considered any kind of solo
1: drinking is considered weird. Well, you, you can, you definitely can. So, okay, I should maybe sort of correct myself in a in a, in a bit of a way. It sort of depends on what alcohol you're drinking, because Western drinking culture also exists here. Like if you go to a club or you go to a a bar, or sometimes they have these things they call mekju chango. It's like a mech it's a, it's a, it's a beer storage, I guess is what they call. It's like, you have these giant fridges on the wall and you can just bring your bottle and then drink on like this kind of place. You don't necessarily have to drink, drink together, drink the same thing. But if you're drink drinking while you eat or you go out to dinner, or if you're in a group somehow, or even if you go to one of these more Korean style uh, beer places and everybody has these, you know, pints or half pints or mm-hmm. what, even then you're still going to drink together. So it's, it slightly depends on the, the context. It is possible to drink on your own, but that's only in specific circumstances. Yeah, and there's something really
0: nice about that because it puts a kind of a, an intentionality and a kind of a mindfulness, right, in, in lots of ways around it does, that drinking. Yes. Like it's, it's there for a specific purpose. Um, it's something that is to be shared and enjoyed mm. sort of equally among the group and everyone comes along on exactly the same journey. Yes. Um, and so there's something that's really... Uh, that's that's really quite, you mm-hmm. know, nice and intentional and mindful about that.
1: That is true.
0: And to, do people expect you to be less of a drinker because you're more of a kind of intellectual figure than, say, K-pop stars and actors and people like that?
1: Uh, at times they do. Uh, people who I am meeting for the first time, they don't think that. Yeah there's, there's this term for like how much you can drink. It's called judiang and it's literally alcohol amount, right? It's the amount of alcohol you can drink, like how many glasses of whatever. And they always are like, Oh, your judiang is not going to be very good. Right. Because I, I, I'm a bookworm or so to uh-huh. speak. Right. Uh, but then when they find that I, I can drink more than they expected, there's always a positive reaction to that. Yes, right. It's always like, oh, I'm so glad because now we can drink more and, and get closer together, yes. right? That's the, uh, yeah. the reaction there. But yes.
0: Nice, nice. And and just so at the same time as it's kind of, it's a very intentional and, and very positive part of uh, culture and society, mm-hmm. is are there... Like in that Al Jazeera article, I mean, do people worry about the amount of drinking that happens in in South Korea?
1: Yes, definitely. And there are also negative aspects to sort of the social bond forming through alcohol, right? So um, maybe your team goes out for drinking and you don't want to drink as much, or maybe your body literally can't process as much alcohol as as everybody is trying to make you drink. Um, And, you know, certain health problems arise. You know, that has been an issue in Korea for a long time, and it has been discussed a lot. So with COVID-19, uh, there have been a lot of regulations here on how late bars can open, you know, how many people can gather for quite a long time. And that has influenced those sort of habits of, you know, teams going out and drinking and forcing their um, younger colleagues to drink uh, and that kind of forced aspect to the drinking culture that has disappeared a little bit, but not entirely. Um, And attitudes, negative attitudes towards forcing others to drink as a form of socialization have started to appear and are being discussed. However, that being said, it's still the main way of people getting together. And on like, like you, you asked on a more societal level of, you know, issues with alcohol consumption, like um, alcoholism or forms of addiction or even, you know, alcohol uh, inspired forms of abuse, mm-hmm. right? These kind of things are talked about in the news, but I haven't ever encountered, you know, in my 11 years here, I've never, I have met one person who told me that a member of their family was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, my my family, just like my personal family background, my dad's family is from Austria and they all you know, drink like fish. Yeah. So I understand that actually being an alcoholic might not feel like it needs the word alcoholic, yes. right? But the reflex to talk about it with sort of this full honesty of the addiction aspect of alcohol is not necessarily there. Yeah, gotcha.
0: And how about you? How has your relationship with alcohol sort of changed over your
1: life? So my father is from Austria, and my first introductions to alcohol, I guess, were technically illegal in the United States. Right? <laughs> but, <laughs> so in the U.S., you're not supposed to drink until you're 21. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my father was very um, – he really wanted to make sure that I knew what alcohol was. And so starting when I was a uh, mid-teens – you know, like 14, uh, he was like, this is what beer tastes like. This is what this tastes like. And would make me sort of drink a tiny bit of what he was drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on, it was like drinking with meals. And then obviously, once I turned 21 in the U.S., is like party culture. I then moved here, and it is just the party culture here and the whole social drinking thing is very strong. So yeah. I think I drank a lot when I was in my early to mid-20s, just to try to get along with people, yeah. right? to yeah. try to make friends. I'm in a new place. I want to, you know, connect. And the way that everybody's doing that is through drinking. And you and you really just drink to the point in which you ask yourself, oh, I don't want to do that again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it happens very often. Um, and I think now that I'm more established here, you know, I have my close friends. I have my place. I have my home. I have, you know, uh, my I'm sort of grounded in a way. Mm. I'm able to not feel that, pressure is like, I need to be friends with everybody and we all need to drink together and we all need to get along. Kind of like let that go. Mm. And so that's enabled me to really not have to deal with hangovers, which is great. Yeah. So now my drinking is, I'm still a social uh, drinker. So I will have like a little bit of wine with my friend in my neighborhood on occasion. And then maybe once in a blue moon, go out to a bar. Mm. But other than that, I have really, uh, I guess, in a way, reduced a lot of my alcohol consumption. It just feels better for my for mm. my body. Mm. I don't know. Like as you get older, it's just the effect <laughs> of that that next day effect of like, oh, why did I drink a bottle of wine with my friend last night? Yeah, that yeah. Is, it gets longer and longer the older you get. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and what about your brain as well? Do you think? I mean, would you have such a hot brain if you um, if you drank um, as much as the Koreans normally do? I doubt
1: that. Would be as functional as it is. <laughs> it's definitely not a very, very good thing for you, yeah. uh, but there are undeniable mm-hmm. social aspects to the process. So it's kind of like the struggle, right? No, I'm on this diet now because I want to kind of like lose a little bit more weight and gain more muscle mass. And like now everybody in Korea is in this super duper health kick and like taking body profile pictures of themselves because with COVID-19, everybody's focused on, you know, their own bodies and like health. This is a new trend. So I'm also trying to like focus on my body. Every time I wind up having, you know, Mm. just like three glasses of wine Mm. with a friend, the next day you can like feel that linger and it's just like this massive struggle because you want to maintain that social connection um which you can do over coffee or tea right but there's a little bit of a different context to it so trying to figure that one out right now
0: (laughs) as are we all as are we all um yeah so the the tv shows that you're on they sound kind of Quite a bit more cerebral than the kinds of shows that do well in Western countries like Jersey Shore or Love Island or these sorts of things. <laughs> does Korea have more of an interest in sort of intellectual pursuits and people than than we do in western countries?
1: Uh, I would say that um, on average, yes, uh, but when you say intellectual pursuits, it's, it depends on how you unpack that term right mm. so You'll find yourself in more situations in an Anglophone country where if you sit down with friends of yours or people you recently meet and you can have an intellectual discussion about where democracy is going and the rise of totalitarianism, like that can happen uh, more often in an Anglophone uh, culture than it would ever here. Nobody is ever going to talk about that ever it's like that's like a closed door conversation right so that kind of intellectual academia discourse kind of thing is -hmm. not something that people engage with often publicly here but you know quiz Mm -hmm. shows and information and this kind of wikipedia-esque approach to knowledge right like Uh, what year did xyz or who invented the blah, blah, blah. Like these kind of things are, are tidbits of information that people really want to gather and they really want to know and problem solving. They're also very much interested in that as well. It's like, Oh, this is a logic problem. Can you fix it? Or, you know, some like oh, this bar that my dad really liked a long time ago used to have these like metal things that were connected to each other and you'd have to like move them around to get them undone. Mm. I don't know what they're called, but people love that stuff here this thing where you have to use your brain and try to solve the problem and and figure it out and yeah that they love that they're like addicted to it
0: yeah great and i i I guess like wordle doesn't really happen in korean or does it
1: they made a Korean version of Wordle, but unfortunately, uh, just because of the way the language is structured, it's not as difficult, and so people don't really like it. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, too. <clears throat> so. Is it easier for you to kind of politely dissent than it would be for a Korean native?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's a sort of, um, I mean, in, a, in America, we would refer to it as privilege, right? this sort of like, and here they would call it the waywin uh, kadu, right? The foreigner card, right? right. Where you can right. sort of just like bring it up and it's okay for you not to agree with everybody else who's Korean because you're not Korean. Right. So for example, if you go out drinking, right? And all the Koreans are going to drink at the same time and you're like, oh, I'm going to sit this this one cheers out. Then people are like, oh, okay, you're the, the foreigner, so it's okay for you to take this out. But there's this weird moment where they sort of accept that you have a different approach and it enables you to sort of bring the conversation in a different direction. Mm, Nice. So there's been an awful lot
0: um, sort of going wrong in the world the last, the last couple of years. Yes. Um, And one thing I always like to ask people at the end of the interviews is what, um, what are you most optimistic about for the world right now? And amongst all of that kind of (laughs) troubling, (laughs) troubling stuff.
1: Yeah. um, You know, that's, that's a really good question. I think, from my perspective, like everything has started to get really difficult. And since, since about 2016, and, and Trump came into office in the U.S., we've seen this constant, you know, decline of international organizations, and then COVID, and increased conflict with China, and blah blah blah. Right. Um, so we've just seen the world is moving into a different phase, mm-hmm. um, and and that can be really overwhelming, and especially when it comes to the environment. Uh, that can also be very overwhelming. Uh, but I do think that usually good things do come out of super high-pressure, difficult situations. And I think Korea sort of proves that to people in a way because it's society is not easy here. You know, Competition is not easy. But through that, people wind up um, creating very amazing, wonderful things. And so I do have some hope that there are people who are pushing forward uh, and we do see that, actually. So, for example, uh, not too long ago, I think back in early March, um, the meeting of the UNEA, they chose to move forward with negotiations for a global treaty on plastics, right? And they're going to go through three rounds of discussion about how we can go about regulating plastics globally to reduce the amount of virgin plastics being used to reduce the amount of plastics escaping into regional, eco- like local ecology and stuff. So mm-hmm. your ecosystems. Uh, so I think that that kind of movement is something that we haven't really seen a lot of historically. We saw the first time, the first time that the globe did that was it talking about the Paris Agreement in 2015, right? Mm-hmm. And and now we're doing it again, talking about politics, uh, about plastics. Uh, so I do think that there are, is potential for people to come together and find solutions increased potential for that nowadays Hmm. Uh, and i hope to see more of that i think that we will be seeing more of that yeah
0: and if not we might just get some really excellent movies and tv shows about just how hard it
1: is (laughs) (laughs) this is true
0: (laughs) hey well tyler it's been really great
1: talking with you uh thanks a lot for being with us thank you so much for having me on i look forward to hearing your future episodes as well